It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. Toward the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge lined one right down the line. Swung on and lined to right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. All right, welcome everybody. Episode four of the Bomber Brothers podcast, brought to you by WFAN and Odyssey. Sean and Ryan Chichester back talking more things Yankees after a big series split at the Trop. And a happy Memorial Day to everybody as we record on Monday, which is a much needed but also much confusing day off for the Yankees, Sean. I mean, obviously, the Yankees have just finished the stretch where they played, what was it, 23 games in 22 days. There was a day off in between, an unexpected day off in between because of the rain out, but there was a doubleheader two days after that. So it was definitely a trying stretch of games for the Yankees, but I, I can't remember the last time we had a Memorial Day and no Yankees afternoon baseball to watch. The Yankees have off today for Memorial Day, and they also are off on July 4th as well. So really, really weird scheduling um, by by Major League Baseball. I, I always loved going to like a Memorial Day day game, um, you know, avoid avoid the barbecue and, and, and get to go to a nice, nice day at the stadium where usually you got a good crowd and, you know, nobody too, too rowdy. It was always a always a nice time going. Um, for like an afternoon game on a, on a nice holiday, like Memorial Day, 4th of July, even Labor Day. But Yanks are off, and I think they really needed it. And I think one of the things, though, that that kind of makes you feel good going into it is that the starters provided a lot of length in this Tampa series, um, specifically in the first two games. So this this day off really, sh- and, and the length that they got from their starters over the last four games really helps um, – really helps them going into this next stretch here where they do have some days off coming days off and uh, they'll, they'll be able to kind of manage their bullpen a little bit more like Boone probably wants to without the stretch of, of so many games in a row. Yeah. Like you said, the starting pitching was superb. They're the, they have the second best ERA in baseball now behind only the Dodgers, but those first two games with Cortez and Tyone each going eight innings, they were fantastic. And, you know, you start, you start to get a little greedy after those first two wins. Then you're thinking, oh, we've got Cole and Kluber going in game three. This could be a chance for the Yankees to actually take a, a four-game series at the Trop, which would obviously be a, a huge, massive success considering how banged up the Yankees are and how tough it's been to win in the Trop for them and how just how good the Rays are. And and Cole had a bit bumpy of a first inning that got his pitch count up a little bit. So he only went, what was it, six six innings, a little over six innings, but he still still was solid and the Yankees just couldn't get any offense going on on Kluber after that after that first inning. And that's just how baseball is. You look at the pitching matchups. We previewed the series before it began and said how game three seemed to be slanted in the Yankees favor. And of course that's a game that the Yankees don't come away with, but overall a really, really good performance by the uh, starting pitching, which is looking like as a staff, one of the best in all of baseball. Absolutely. And you know what, in the last three games of the series, they scored a total of what, five runs two two on Friday, one on Saturday, two on Sunday. So to come out with a win out of a performance like that from your offense, um, 
that's not, you know, that that's something to be thankful for, I, I think. And, you know, um, I know Cole is the ace and you expect when he's on the mound to, to get a win, but when he gives up one run over six innings and your offense scores one run, um, you really, really can't, can't expect uh, to get a win on it on a day like that. And, you know, look, yesterday on, on the Sunday game, Severino, he pitched in, what, into the seventh. Uh, I know he gave up four runs, but he only gave up two hits and two walks, struck out eight. Um, obviously, the long ball bit him a couple times, but, you know, still in a, another encouraging start from him. He's getting length. He's getting strikeouts. Um, only two walks is awesome. And the Yan- Yankees did get nine hits, but they're really, you know, not hitting consistently for power. I think the, even the Thursday game where they put up seven runs, they only had one extra base hit, the the Rizzo double. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the weekend, they had a couple, couple solo shots mixed, mixed in there. But, um, you know, the, uh, you know, I think that last game where they lost four, two was a little bit more on just a little bit inconsistent, not being able to string those hits together, which obviously if you have a couple of guys on um, when you get a, a home run out of Torres or, or judge that, that really helps. But, I mean, the pitching pitching was great, and the offense, hey, it happens. Yankees always have trouble hitting in Tampa Bay. Um, and, you know, like you said, we we predicted a split. We said we'd be happy with split. And uh, I'm not really happy about the way that it happened where you go up 2-0. Like you said, you start thinking about, all right, if we could, you know, win the Cole game, we were guaranteed a, a series win. And a four-game series win against the division rival on the road would have been sick. But I think, you know, like as, as a Yankee fan, if you look at it objectively – from, from the view of, of what you thought going into the weekend, I think you have to feel pretty, pretty happy to still be um, four and a half up um, here on when, you know, the, the old adage is don't look at the standings until Memorial day. Well, it is Memorial day and um, the Yankees uh, have the best record in, in the American league. So got to be happy about that. Yeah. Tough to complain again, like you said, winning the first two, you start to, your eyes start to widen a little bit and think maybe you can take this series. But like you said, the offense wasn't able to do enough. The pitching certainly did its part. And you mentioned that the Yankees have struggled in the trop in the past with their offense, but it's not just because of the venue. The Rays are a really good team pitching-wise, starters and relievers. Obviously, they don't use them as conventionally as a lot of other teams, but this is a Rays team that has the fourth-best team ERA in the league and the third-best whip. So this is a team that is, that is built on – playing low scoring games. So those last two games, those three, one, four, two wins, that's, that's the Rays wheelhouse. But if you're able to go in there and split a four game series and have a starting pitching staff that, that can compete with the Rays pitching staff, I think that bodes well for a team that is obviously not a hundred percent on offense. This is a team that's missing Josh Donaldson, who was hitting very well before uh, landing on the COVID list. And now the IL with shoulder inflammation, DJ LeMay, who just came back from his, weird wrist injury whatever that was but it's he said he's finally doing better and he looked like he was doing better almost immediately he hit that double to the opposite field I think which I think was his first at bat uh back so you have an offense that is shorthanded and also in some areas looking at Gallo and Hicks badly badly struggling and you're still able to get a split against one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball and on the road so I think the Yankees should be feeling pretty good about themselves on this rare holiday off. Uh, absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, me, I'm, I'm 
I like to dig into the numbers and all that, but when it comes to my Yankee fandom, I get pretty emotional and I'll, I'll rip, uh, I'll rip them when, when they need to get ripped, but I can't like right now, like going down to that house of horrors, you know, we've had so many terrible memories in Tampa Bay and to come out with a split four and a half up, um, you know, almost here in June, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with that. I'd, I'd say, um, I'd like to see the offense get going a little bit more, but you know, when you're, they faced left-handed starters, three out of the four games, you were missing two of your best right-handed hitters in Stanton and Donaldson, obviously you still had judge. So, so that does help, but you know, Stanton is such a force when you, when you have a, have a left-handed starter there. Um, it really helps protect judge, even though he did, you know, have a, you know, have a couple, a uh, couple dingers, but you know, one right-handed hitter that did step up this series and I had picked him for the belt was Torres. That's right. He was great. And I picked Hicks. <laughs> he was not. That didn't that wound up not Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was also pulled out of the lineup the first game because of hamstring tightness. And they didn't what he already have a pinch hit appearance on on Saturday and then had hit, hit into some bad luck on Sunday. But we're gonna get into him in a little bit and just how bad he's been. But yes, Torres, two more home runs in this Tampa series. Uh what was he? Three three for four in the series finale i believe i mean he's but more importantly just back to his power for a second and those two home runs he's already matched last year's home run total of nine and the you know all the discussion around torres before the season started was where did his power go where's that 38 home run man from 2019 obviously the juiced ball in 2019 probably had something to do with that home run total but not nearly to the effect that he would go down the nine home runs in his next full season, but it looks like Torres's power is back. He's slugging 467 right now this season. And in the last two seasons before that, he slugged 366. So that's over a hundred point bump. Also his expected slugging percentage is in the 92nd percentile in the league this season, which is unbelievable. And his hard hit rates in the 88th percentile. It's it's about 12% points higher than it was in 2019 when he hit uh, the 38 home runs. So Torres's power seems like it's, it's all the way back. Obviously some other areas have been sacrificed as a result of that. His, um, his walk rate is back down to closer to where it was in 2018 and 2019 and his uh, swing and miss rate is, is around those levels as well. So those have uh, been on the rise too, but I mean, and his on-base percentage is actually below 300 right now. But more importantly, his power is back. He's giving the Yankees some needed pop as they have guys like Stanton on the shelf and other guys like Hicks and Gallo, who you expected to give the team some power, are not giving them any at all. So this is a, a very, very promising turn of events for the Yankees, getting Torres seemingly back on track and I mean, that's, this has to be a huge, huge sigh of relief for them because he was their prize prospect and the expectations only went up after his first two seasons in the, in the big leagues. And then everyone was just wondering what the hell happened to him in 2020 and 2021. But here he is in 2022 looking a lot closer to that player he was in his first two years in the majors. Yeah, and I think you see, you know, I know the numbers haven't really borne it out, but I think he is having really good at-bats um, looking to go the other way. You know, yesterday... I think he struck out with runners at the corners to end that inning where they had first and third with nobody out. But, um, you know, he hit the ball foul the other way a couple of times. He's really uh, staying back and trusting his hands at the plate, um, which is something you really saw him 
really kind of bailing a lot um, over the last couple of years, trying to trying to open up a little too early to to force himself to pull the ball. So, and we've seen. I mean, he had the walk off, um, you know, the the other way against the Guardians, which was a huge hit. Um, and he, you know, he's he's come up with some really big hits in really big spots too. It's not just that, okay, he's hitting a couple dingers here and there and, and, you know, the numbers are kind of falling into place, but he's come up big. I mean, even on opening day, he had a really big sack fly to tie the game. Um, you know, he had the walk off uh, against the the guardians. So he, he's come up with some really big hits too. It makes me feel like he's getting a little bit more comfortable again at the plate, um, which is, is, is key for him. Cause you could tell he's a player that relies on confidence. Um, I don't think it's any, surprised that once he didn't have to worry about playing shortstop his his offense improved last season and has been has been better here in in 2022 and that's huge for the Yankees because the more bats the better especially with offense being down across the league um his uh his contributions have been a welcome a welcome addition yeah absolutely I'm glad you brought up hitting to the opposite field you hear Torres talk about that in every post-game interview or every on-field interview with with Meredith on the on the Yes Network after a big game, he's talking about how much emphasis he's putting on hitting the ball to the opposite field this season, uh, and it showed. He has uh, nine home runs on the season. Five of them have been the left field, which were both of the one, two of them coming in this Tampa series. But four of them have been to right field, and then he has five doubles on the season. Two of them have been to left, and three have been to right. So when it comes to his power stroke, he's using all areas of the field, which of course is huge when you play at Yankee stadium and he's taking advantage of, of that short porch. And it's, it's just really showing in the numbers. The underlying statistics love him too. His expected slugging percentage is 564 this season. I mean, it was 493 in 2019. So he's uh, squaring up the ball right in line with the best numbers of his, of his career. I think it would have been foolish to give up on him even after two straight lackluster seasons, just because he's still so young. And like you said, I think, you know, constantly shifting in the infield and going to shortstop and struggling probably didn't help him much last year. And we saw his numbers start to pick up down the stretch last year once he was moved back over to second base. So now that he's knows he's there to stay, doesn't have to worry about shortstop, is at a more comfortable position. His defensive numbers have improved also, but here like we're focusing on is the the power seems to be back. And that is, again, that is huge for a team that is currently missing Stanton, currently missing Donaldson, currently missing any kind of power from Gallo and Hicks and pretty much any kind of offensive production from the catcher position. So the Yankees need Torres's power right now. It can't all come from, from Judge. And occasionally Rizzo, although he's cooled down a bit after his strong start. But yeah, huge, huge props to Glaber. He's been uh, he's been massive for for the Yankees so far this season, and was a was a good pick for the championship belt. Although I feel like we should probably just give that to the rotation. Yeah, I, I yeah, we'll give it to Matt Blake. Uh, yeah, the the pitching's been great. I think the bullpen still we making us a little bit nervous right now. But, um, you know, hopefully we get little Isaac and Chapman back as we spoke about last episode. Um, you know, the starters needed to give a little bit more length and the off days are going to help. And starters uh, definitely stepped up. Um, really, really awesome performance, uh, both by Tyone and Nestor. And the legend of Nestor just continues to grow. He was he was awesome, especially in a game that, that really set the tone. Um, you know, one thing the Yankee have, Yankees have taken some 
uh, unfair, in my opinion. Uh, Flack for is, is beating up on bad teams, but that's what you're supposed to do. And I think the Yankees have played very representative baseball against some of the, the better teams in the American League. Obviously, they haven't played, um, you know, the, the division leaders yet, but Tampa Bay and Toronto are, are right there in the wild card and, and, and the White Sox are, are right behind. And um, they, they've handled those teams fairly well. I know that they lost the White Sox series, but they've played good baseball. And, uh, you know, they, you're supposed to beat up on the bad teams. And, and Nestor comes out against one of the one of the better teams um, in the league and in, in the, the Rays and and shoved for eight innings and almost got through the, you know, I know you kind of ran out of gas there in the ninth or whatever you want to call it. But um, and then Tyone follows it up the next night and does the same thing. So really awesome. I think Tyone's kind of flown under the radar because the Nestor story has been so awesome. And, and I mean, I love watching Nestor pitch, but Tyone's been really, really good this year. And, um, you know, excited to, to see him try to continue it and hopefully get a full healthy year under his belt when I know uh, it would really help him personally with that, with his uh, free agency coming up here. So really cool to see both of these guys uh, go out and shove when, when we really needed it. Absolutely. Tyone has been by all, by a lot of the statistical categories, the Yankees second best pitcher this season behind Cortez. I mean, he has a two, four, nine ERA. That's the second best in the rotation right now. He has an insane 0.9 walks per nine innings. That's actually the best in the rotation and he's only allowing uh 0.7 home runs per nine innings that's tied with Cortez for the best mark in the rotation so yeah Tyone has been fantastic he's setting himself up for a nice a nice payday and it's easy to forget that he was really good in Pittsburgh before these injuries kind of derailed his career a bit and then he came over to New York and talked so much last year about how he was trying to tweak his his mechanics and he wasn't you know reaching all the way back before throwing a pitch and how he was kind of keeping his elbow cocked a little more behind his head to kind of salvage his elbow and his forearm and it seems like he has responded well to that he was pitching you know he he had that really strong stretch last season where he was what was he the American League pitcher of the month in in July or one of those summer months I think it was and then he started and then he had the ankle issue at the end of the year but he's healthy now and he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and the Yankees rotation has just been unbelievable I mean there's not there's not a pitcher on this staff that has walked more than two and a half batters per nine innings the lowest ERA is or the highest ERA on the team I think is Severino and he's only at he's still under 340 this is an incredible incredible pitching staff right now that should have a couple all-stars on it oh yeah absolutely and you know Severino does have the but he didn't pitch for like you know, since he really, since 2018. So uh, this should be absolute. The Yankees should consider Severino's performance so far to be absolute best case scenario. Yeah, I, I agree. I expect him to get stronger as, as the year goes on, but maybe not, I shouldn't say stronger because fatigue will probably set in, but I think sharper um, if they, if they manage him right. Um, so I'm excited to see how it plays out for him. Just, um, you know, he, he pitched a good game yesterday. Just sometimes those are the breaks and, you know, really thankful to have the performances by the rotation that we got um, to really salvage a split here. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I'm, I'm satisfied. It, it is the weird, a weird kind of way to win the first two and then lose the second two. But um, yeah, overall can't, can't really complain about a split in Tampa and the pitching staff is who we have to thank for that. So we'll, we'll give them the belt, as we said. 
Oh, for sure. And I think what's also promising is I think you can make the argument that this is maybe not to this level, but for the most part, I think this is widely a, a sustainable performance from the pitching staff. Cortez, you know, a lot of people say he came out of nowhere and obviously I don't think anyone expected him to be pitching to a 1.70 ERA through nine starts this season, but he also had a really strong season last year. As soon as he mastered this cutter he's just been a different pitcher so I don't think it's unfair to say that this isn't a flash in the pan and this is closer to who Cortez can be now consistently as a starter you have Tyone who has struggled with health a lot in his career and he took a year to kind of refine his new mechanics and find a way for him to consistently repeat them while staying healthy and now he's putting up really good numbers you have Severino like you mentioned that's this is a former bona fide ace and Cy Young candidate before injuries started getting in the way for him and now he's pitching healthy and of course we know who Cole is and Montgomery is a another really strong lefty in that rotation who has had some had some success since since 2017 basically before he got hurt too so I think you can make the argument that in almost all of these cases this is sustainable success for the Yankees. Absolutely. I think um, as long as they continue to throw the ball well, the, the offense is going to find ways to hit home runs, find guys that get on base. And um, except for a few exceptions, I, I, I feel like this is going to be going to be an offense that will be able to support the, the pitching staff more or less. Yeah, let's let's get into those uh, exceptions right now, because we need to talk about Gallo and Hicks, who both again, you know, Hicks didn't really have much of a presence this series, but when he did, he. For, to, in fairness, did hit into some bad luck, but also had some some more strikeouts. And Gallo was two for 15 in this series, not a single walk and seven strikeouts. So it's uh, it hasn't been pretty for either of these guys. If you look at both of them, they are negative and in the red in terms of war. OAA in the field, and they're both at least 25% below league average in terms of Weighted runs created plus. So offensively, defensively, just all around, these guys have both been net negatives for the entire season. And it's not looking any better because the underlying numbers are starting to look even worse as we go along. Hicks expected slugging percentage in April was 433. That's down to 222 in May. His chase rate is also up. Gallo, his expected slugging in April, 537. That's down to 423 in May. So they've both seen significant, significant drops. So, you know, I think in April, when you look at those underlying numbers, you could say, oh, these guys are hitting into some bad luck, especially especially Hicks, who is still, you know, among the league's elite in walk rate. You could have made the argument that he was, he was still seeing the ball well, just not uh, getting the outcomes he – he needed, but you can't really make that argument anymore because they're they're not they don't seem to be squaring the ball up a lot. They're swinging and missing more. They're chasing more, getting on base less. So I don't know what the Yankees do or, or where they go from here. But you have two guys who are supposed to be crucial and consistent starters in the outfield, and they've both just been terrible. Not just not just at the plate, but they're uh, we've we broke down Hicks's fielding struggles last last episode but now both of these guys who were in their career more consistently considered to be productive outfielders in the field but they've been bad there now too I don't know where I don't know what the Yankees do with the with Hicks and Gallo well Gallo has not looked good in in left field I think he's had a little bit of trouble with the move um seen him misplay a few balls um out there especially early um and it's bleeding into their base running too in my opinion I think we've seen Gallo 
make a couple of boneheaded decisions on the bases. We've talked about Hicks. Um, right now, you have to consider the Gallo trade a catastrophic failure. I mean, it's been it's been terrible for the Yankees last year and this year and and early on this year. I know uh, we were pretty hopeful because Gallo's underlying numbers, her his hard hit stuff, it was all good. But um, it's been, it's it's sliding backwards. He's not making contact. It's 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 not good. Um, I'm really worried. I've already started looking at thinking about who do the Yankees go and get because I think they have an outfield problem. Maybe Miguel Andujar's the answer. I don't know. I mean, he looks okay out there. His bat, I think, is better than than Gallo's at this point. Um, definitely better than Hicks, but I don't know. Do you think about a guy like Ben Intendi? He's going to be on the block. Kansas city stinks. He's got almost a 400 on base percentage. Yeah. I mean, I, it, he wouldn't be able to face Severino anymore. So his numbers might go down a little bit, but yeah, you think about that lefty bat in Yankee stadium, which is exactly what the Yankees were thinking when they went and got Gallo and Rizzo. But no, I, I think Ben Tendi would be a massive upgrade just because of how bad Gallo has been. And because Ben Tendi has been good this season, he was, he was also solid last season, if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, his OPS plus last year was, was not where he, it was one Oh six last year. It's one thirty nine this year and he's getting on base at a three ninety eight clip. Uh, he's hitting for a little bit less power, but pretty much all of the league is. And uh, you put him in Yankee stadium. I'm sure he'll get a couple cheapies. But also, if you have a guy that's a left-handed batter near the top of the lineup that gets on base, dude, lead him off, put him in front of Judge. That that'd be great. I mean, you know, you don't have to do that because Lemayhew's a really good, really good leadoff guy. But it just lengthens your lineup. It gets you another guy that gets on base, adds uh, even more diversity to the lineup, and uh, he's a he's a good left fielder too. I think he won the Gold Glove last year. Not that that means that much, but um, you know, he's he's comfortable out there, more comfortable than Gallo, and you know what, like you're going to find playing time for these guys with injuries and stuff like that. Like we're already, you know, we're running Miguel Andujar out there in left field. Um, and, you know, I, I love the way Andujar socks look, by the way, I'm just going to say that the, the, the short pants, the, the short breeze. pants, very old school. I, I like it a lot, but um, yeah, I mean, Hicks and, and Gallo have been terrible and it's, it's getting to the point now where I used to be hopeful, like, Oh, I know these guys are proven players. The underlying numbers in April were okay. It's it's going to start to turn around, and now it's just it's all a mess. So, yeah, it's 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 only looking worse and worse, which makes you even less and less hopeful. I mean, Gallo he led the league in walks last year, and that was kind of a silver lining you could turn to when people brought up his bloated strikeouts. This year he's walking, his walk rate is 12.4%. That would be the lowest since his first year in the majors in 2015. And just for context, his walk rate last year was 18%. So that's a pretty significant decrease. Uh, Hicks, like we mentioned also, despite having that high walk rate is chasing a little more. Now the expected slugging has, has plummeted. So I I just, I don't know where, I don't know what the Yankees do. I don't know. I mean, Gallo, you know, he's a pending free agent and he's been terrible since the middle of last season. So what exactly what his trade value could be, I, I don't know. Maybe a team will think that a tra- change of scenery can kind of get him back closer to the production he had in Texas. And as for Hicks, I mean, you, I don't know how much longer you can use 
last year's wrist injury as a reason that could be sapping all of his power and why he only has just one home run so far this season. I mean, a lot of people bring up Mark Teixeira, who suffered a similar injury in 2013, but Teixeira through the first two months of 2014 had a 850 OPS and nine home runs. That's significantly, significantly better than Hicks, who is also a switch hitter. So it's actually seemed like a pretty solid comparison for, uh, for that kind of injury and that kind of player. And Hicks or Teixeira was just decidedly better than that. Not to mention Hicks was also struggling really badly before that injury last year. So I think, uh, I think it could be looking at trying to move on, make a change from, from both of those players because the outfield has just been dreadful offensively outside of, outside of judge. Yeah. I mean, and and you want to be careful with Stanton coming back with, with the leg stuff, not to overplay him, but the more we can get away from guys like Hicks and Gallo in the outfield, the the better, because it's getting frustrating. They're becoming dead spots in the lineup where once, if there's, they're up with guys on, you just feel so, Oh, I wish, you know, we could turn, get through this at bat somehow. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you're like, I hope he gets hit by the pitch. Cause that's, that's the, that's the <laughs> best chance I have. He's got, he's not going to take his walk. He's not going to make contact or, or, or hit the ball with any authority. And um, it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it is what it is at this point and they have to start looking at other options. Um, you know, like I said, Benintendi, I know we joked last week about Brett Gardner. That, that is a joke. I don't think Brett Gardner is going to be uh, making an appearance this season, but I've been wrong about Gardner before. He's like the undertaker. He just, he comes back, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, you chalk up the Gallo trade as an L and you're going to move on after this year and Hicks, I, I don't know long-term what, what, what this looks like, but maybe they both could benefit from, from a change of scenery because Hicks has really taken some lumps here in over the last couple of years with the Yanks, but we'll see where they go. Yeah, we'll see. That could be longer in the uh, longer down the road, but let's look ahead to the immediate where the Yankees get started with a series against the angels in the Bronx. Let's uh, go ahead and preview that series. Sean, obviously we have Otani, as one of the probables, which is going to be must-see TV. But I, I think another thing, just speaking of the Angels, or speaking uh, to the Yankees pitching staff, we saw how dominant they were. We've talked plenty about how good they've been this year. Well, now they get to face an Angels offense that's second in the league in OPS behind only the Dodgers, I want to say. Yeah, second, second in the league in OPS behind only the Dodgers. Mike Trout, best player in baseball, is having an insane year. Uh, and this is a team that's tied with the Yankees for the league league in, in home runs too. So this is, this is going to be a really interesting series, even though the angels have been stumbling a little bit lately. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, anytime the angels come in and you have a healthy trout, it's must, it's must watch baseball and you're going to have a healthy Otani, a healthy trout. You get Syndergaard pitching in the Bronx on Tuesday, Otani pitching on Thursday, which is going to be, you know, like you said, must see. I'm really, really excited for this series. I know the Angels started off, you know, crazy hot out of the gate, but um, this is a really, really dangerous offense and a really, really good test for the Yankees rotation. Um, You have Montgomery, Cortez, and Tyone all lined up and uh, really excited to see kind of what, you know, especially the Cortez game. This is going to be super fun to watch. And then you get Otani and, uh, you know, Tyone on Thursday. That should be a great way to end the series. Uh, I know Otani didn't pitch really well the last time he was last season at Yankee Stadium. Gave up what seven runs in two thirds of an inning. Yep. But um, 
he did hit a couple dingers at Yankee Stadium. So he seemed to really elevate. And it was I remember it was like super hot that week and he played in the outfield. So his legs were probably gone by the time he took the mound. But again, he's pitching the last game of the series. It's going to be really exciting. I, I, I would expect uh, the fans to be really into it. And uh, we'll see how this pitching staff holds up, um, you know, against, like you said, one of the better offenses in baseball. I think what Otani hit two homers yesterday against the Blue Jays. And uh, they, they what I think the, the Blue Jays wound up winning that game 11-10. But uh, those are the kind of game the Angels are playing. And uh, the Yankees offense is going to probably need to do a lot more in this series than they did last series if they're going to want to win that win uh, at least two out of three here. Yeah, this is this is going to be a, a fascinating shift and a quick one because, like we mentioned, the Rays are a team that thrives on low scoring games. They have a really really good pitching staff, and the Angels are a team that, like that eleven ten loss showed to Toronto, is a team that can uh, go pound for pound with you on on offense. But the Yankees have uh, a stronger pitching staff than than their lineup right now. So it's going to be interesting to to see how this plays out. Like you mentioned, a familiar New York face in Syndergaard, who's having who's having a good year. He has an ERA just above three right now. He's going against Monty in game one. You've got Cortez on the bump in game two against Reed Detmers, who aside from his no-hitter hasn't been the strongest this season. So I, I'd say that's a matchup that's slanted in the Yankees' favor. And then Otani having another strong season on the mound going against Tyone in, in the finale. So it's it's going to be interesting. The, again, the Angels started out very strongly, and they um, have stumbled a bit of late. They've lost five in a row. They're also four games below 500 against teams above 500 this year. The Yankees are 12 and eight against teams above 500. The Angels are seven and 11. So we'll see if uh, facing a stronger team uh, continues to lead to struggles for the Angels. They they had trouble with with the Blue Jays in this past series, but I think it's I think it's going to be a, a strong series. I certainly think it's one the Yankees can win, especially with how the Angels have been playing lately and how the starting rotation has been performing so far. So I'm, I'm looking and hoping for another series win, certainly not thinking sweep, but there's absolutely no reason why the Yankees can't go and uh, grab two out of three at home. Yeah. I'd, I'd feel a lot better if, if they did have, um, you know, if they were at full strength or, or closer to it, but I think Stanton and Gallo missing does hurt trying to keep pace with an offense where you have two guys with over a thousand <laughs> OPS and, and insane. Uh, Ward and, and, and Trout there. Plus, you know, Otani's just going to probably wreck that short porch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know they've struggled against better teams, but you know, that was kind of like what we were talking about. People were saying, Oh, the Yankees haven't gotten it done against big teams, but they really hadn't played them. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It should be really exciting. I think it's going to have a really good atmosphere. Um, at each game, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And anytime you can watch the best player in baseball and the most interesting player in baseball at the same time, um, who might also actually wind up being the second best player in baseball, it's it's pretty exciting. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the Yankees absolutely could win two out of three. I'm not sure how. I'm not. I'm done trying to say they're going to win this one, lose that one, and, and win that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and I think. Um, my my pick for the belt this week is actually I'm gonna pick Rizzo to uh, start hitting again. I think I think Rizzo maybe um, comes back and he might wind up being the left-handed hitter that impacts the series the most. Not not Otani. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with DJ Lemayhew. Ride on him uh, getting some big opposite field hits and have himself a big series as that 
wrist continues to feel a little better. Maybe another off day before the series will help him. And that's uh, that's going to be my pick just because it's boring to pick Judge all the time. Although I am really much looking forward to Judge, Otani, and Trout all in the same field, all arguably three of the prime MVP candidates for the season. So that's that's going to be really, really fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to this series. Yeah, me too. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, I know last year they, they played each other, but the Yankees were not as exciting last year. I mean, now this this series has so much juice. You're you're watching the best team in baseball play against two of the best players on the planet. Um, it's going to be awesome, and we'll see what happens. But either way, let's go Yanks, and let's uh, let's try to take two out of three here. That's right. We will be back to talk about this series as soon as it ends after Thursday's game. Until then, enjoy the series. Enjoy the star power that's going to be on the field in the Bronx, and we'll talk to everybody in a few days. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Bye, everybody.